All right, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that we can come together as a family today. I thank you for your presence here. Lord, I pray that you would quiet our minds and our hearts that we might receive from your word today. Lord, that what you're wanting to land here today would just settle. We just pull those things from heaven that you want to impart today. We ask for this place to be a thin place, a place where we encounter heaven, that it's just easy to encounter you, Lord. Lord, I pray just for openness in our hearts and that we would receive from you today. We just come against every distraction, every plan of the enemy to distract. In Jesus' name, we quiet ourselves. We tell our spirits to rise up and our minds to be quiet under the word. Today, right now, we pull from heaven what we need to receive today for every need in this place, for us to grow in you today. We lay aside all the wheat, we lay aside even the things of this morning, and we focus upon you right now, Jesus. We lift your name up high in this place. In Jesus' name, we pray peace over every person here. Let your peace settle. Let's bless you with peace. In Jesus' name, that you receive this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Angels, we ask you to be here to help today. The whole family in heaven and earth meeting together. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. If you've got your Bibles or phones or whatever, turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. I want to talk about unknown path today, about stepping out into an unknown path and uh, what that means for us and how we get to that spot of just trusting the Lord to take us in places that we haven't been before. And uh, so we're going to read from Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. If you've got it, you can follow with me. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And on all the, you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. That's Abraham. He was called Abram at that point, And Abraham, God changed his name to Abraham as he took him along in his journey of just trusting that God would lead him. He then changed his name to Abraham, which meant father of many nations. And uh, even though he was childless, he, spoke, he started to speak to him. But before he could speak, Abraham or Abram had to do what God asked. And sometimes we like to know it all before we listen. We want to know it all before we take the steps of obedience. And Abram is, is a really great example of what it is to live a life of faith. He is called the father of faith. And uh, he, he's it, it talked about in Hebrews as an example of how to live a life of faith. And that's why if you want to live a life of faith, you want to li- live a life where you, you experience God and you live the life that God planned for you to live, Abraham is a great example of that for us. And he's a bit of a dude. So uh, anyway, he said, he said God spoke to him. Now, you have to understand that Abraham's background was one of a sun worshipper. He did not worship the God, um, Jehovah, that we worship. He did not worship the creator of heaven and earth. He worshipped the God of the sun, the sun God. And that was his background. But somewhere in the midst of his upbringing, God 
picked him out and spoke to him and he started to build a relationship with him. And uh, he chose him to be his servant and the father of the chosen race upon the earth. And when you come to Jesus, you become part of that. You become part of that chosen generation, that part of that. God wanted that race, that family to spread over all the earth. You know, people got involved and, and it became this little little group. But God always wanted, that's why he chose Abraham. He said, I want to spread my family all over the world and I want to choose you to do it. And that's what the whole point is. And that's why he still says to us, go into all the earth. Go out into every nation, every people, every tribe and tell them about me. And that's what he was calling the people that became the Israelites, became the Jews to do too. And so God chose Abraham and he said, Abraham, you need to leave your country and uh, leave the society of your friends and relatives and go out of the place called Ur and journey away to the land of Canaan which he had promised to give him and his family. And uh, I want to just look at some of the things he had to leave because when God asks us to do anything and to step out, you're always going to have to leave some stuff behind. And uh, so he had to leave behind him everyone who was close to him except for his wife and his, and his um, nephew. And Abraham was obedient to the Lord's command. Nevertheless, he left behind him all associations of his youth the house and family in which he'd been raised, all those who whom he had known. And he went into exile, really. He went into exile from everyone and everything he knew. You know, if you're a pioneer or, or you have pioneers in your background, which most of us do, because to get here, your family had to come from somewhere else. And uh, even, even if you're an indigenous descent, they came from somewhere else to settle here. And uh, pioneers throughout the ages have, who have chosen to leave their country or place of their birth and upbringing have felt the separation from their home, from their family, from their native land. Some of us, it's more recent than others. You know, you might have just arrived here a few years ago and some of us have been here for a few generations. But if you talk to your grandparents or your, you know, grand aunt birth or whatever, they'll tell you that they had to leave they had to leave something. They had to leave the family of their, and their place of birth. And it is different. Now, I came to Australia when I was 15 and it was like different. I come from New Zealand, the very bottom of New Zealand, where it rains, I don't know, 360 days of the year, I'm sure. It is green. It is, it is cold. <laughs> and, you know, there's mountains. And it's a beautiful place, but it is, it is so different from here. And I was talking to mum because she actually went as a 21-year-old to New Zealand where I was born and she said that she was hanging out the washing one day and she'd left it overnight and the nappies had frozen on the line and dad's pants were frozen and, you know, like, you know you see it in the cartoons or movies but it actually does happen. <laughs> and she was like, God, get me out of here! <laughs> You know, I, and my friend, I was went to visit her and I, I'm not big in stature and, she, and uh, she was hanging out the washing and I'm holding on to the washing line because I'm being blown about. You know, there's places that are different. There's awesome places and there's places that maybe you're glad you left or wouldn't want to live there. But anybody who's come from somewhere else or even moved to a new city or a new suburb even, you know, you breathe from north to south, it's different. Yeah, we've lived both sides, so we can travel between, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's different. It's, it's, it feels different when you move. And uh, you're, you, there's separation. 
But Abraham must have gone through all that. He had to leave all that he knew and, his, and find his way in the wilderness. He must give up all and go on to a land which was to him was unknown. Now, most of us, when we move or you shift around, you, um, you've been to the place or you've heard about the place or you look it up on the internet and, um, you know, you immigrate and you know what you're going to. But Abraham didn't know what he was going to. He knew nothing of the country to which he was about to move. He simply had to trust God's promise that it would be an inheritance to him and what God had said to him that this will be your country and I'll make you a great nation and I'll be with you. He simply had to trust God's promise. And uh, many would have said, you're on a wild goose chase. And some would have said it was madness and an idle dream when he shared that. He would have talked to his parents and told them. And they would have just thought he was off his trolley. Like some of you might move or have done things and everybody goes, oh, you know, what are you up to? Me, part of me, likes to go on wild goose chases. The other part of me likes everything all in a row. But I'm married to somebody who loves wild goose chases, so that part of me gets pulled. So if you like that, find somebody like that and, you know, hook up with them. <laughs> but uh, it's like the people that you're around help you. Well, Abraham was around God. And, uh, and God put people in his life that just would go where he went. You read Sarah and she, said, she just said, you're my Lord, as in I will follow you wherever you go. And I say, God put people in his life, and he'll do that for us too. He'll put people in our life that will help us go on the unknown paths, that will help us. They're the ones, I'm up for it, whatever, and I'll go. And uh, those people, they're scary to be around, but they're good to be around too. Yeah? Um, so here we, here we are. He's, he's immigrating. He's off. He's setting off. And uh, he was going on an unknown path. But you know what? It's in that place of being an unknown path that you're prepared to leave behind and step into something you can't really see that holds a great blessing and intimacy with Jesus. It's in that place that Abraham, he heard from God. He met with God. He grew his faith that God promised him and he saw over and over and over again. He became a great nation. He had armies, so many people in the end with him that he could battle against three lots of kings in their armies and win. And he, God said, look up at the heavens, look up at the stars and see how many if you can count them. So great are they and that will be like your descendants will be. He was talking about us. And it's like, when you step out into unknown places and, and are brave enough and, and go, I'm just going to go, even if it feels like a wild goose chase. You know, in Wales, they talk about the Holy Spirit is like the wild goose and he takes you just places. And it's okay to be like that, to be like, as long as you're holding on to God, as long as you're holding on to Jesus, and you go, you take me where you want me to go. You're going to be close to him and there's going to be great blessing and intimacy in that place. You want to know God more? Let go of the reins and let him take control. There's blessing in the unknown path because God wants to lead. Jesus wants to lead. He wants us to let go of the reins and let him lead. And when you do that, there's a rest. It's very exhausting being in control all the time. Believe me, I have six children, a son-in-law, a granddaughter, Lots of people around me, you as my family. And if I try to be in control of the time, I get frazzled. 
Just ask Philip. Look, he's laughing at me. Just ask him. I get frazzled because I'm trying to control everything. I have a vision statement on my, on my, the things that I can do, the things that I want God to do and the things that I can do. Because there's things that you can ask God to do and then you go, God, you gotta, you, I want this to happen. I'm praying for this. I'm believing for this. And then I have a list of what I can do to help that happen. But I can't make some of those happen. I just should pray and believe that what I've prayed is going to happen. But on the bottom, the last one, it says, I don't have to be in control of everything. I just have to hug more. I don't have to be in control. And when we try to be in control and try to have everything right, I'm going to make sure there's enough money there. I'm going to make sure that this person is doing what they're meant to. I'm going to make sure they don't have a spack attack on a Sunday morning. You know, like it's like you just try and control everything. You'll end up being exhausted. And God doesn't want that for us. And that's why he says, you let me take you. You let me take the reins. You let me get in the driver's seat. And I shared a word a few weeks back about God wanting to take us bush bashing. He wants to take us off-road. He's got the four-wheel drive and uh, he says, I want to drive. And he says that to us as a church family, but he also says it to us individually that he wants to be in the driver's seat. He wants to lead. He wants to direct the path. He wants to do it. And how often do we say, nah, I like the look of it. But no. Or we go, you know, like when you're teaching, <laughs> Philip's teaching Rebecca to drive. I don't know if he does it too often. But he's like driving along and grabs the steering wheel. Boy, does she go off. Yeah? But how often do we do that to God? He's like, yeah, Jesus, yes, you lead the way. Steering, steering. Oh, no, I don't like look at that. Oh, I want to be over there actually. Oh, I don't know where I'm going. Grab the steering wheel. And you wonder why things go funny for a bit. Because we need to let go. And let him lead. Because when you're going on an unknown path, you don't know where you're going, so you better make sure you're letting him lead. He wants to lead and he wants us to have that place of rest where we're not struggling and striving all the time. It's no longer up to us where we go or what we do. It's up to him. That doesn't mean we negate all responsibility for our life. It just means that our decisions are his decisions. Our decisions are his decisions. His decisions are our decisions. Now turn, turn with me to um, Psalm 27 verse, verse 11. Now there's lots of, lots of verses about how God leads us. And there's lots of promises when you let God be in control. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You can only say those things when you're letting God lead. He says, you know, in Psalm 139, it says, Where can I go from your presence? If I go up into the heavens, you are there. If I go down into the depths of the earth, you are there. You know a word before I even speak it. You know when I sit and when I rise. He says he knows where to go. He is the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end and everything in between. He sees. He says, I will direct your paths. I'm a light unto your feet and a lamp unto your path. It was the other way around. But it's like he lights the way. He lights the way. But if we keep on grabbing hold of the lead, we keep on grabbing hold of the light, we're only going to see our little bit and not what he wants to show us. Sometimes he says to me, get up on the mountain. 
get up on the mountain and have a look with the perspective of heaven's eyes what I am doing. Because when we're down here fooling around and doing our thing, we can't see with the perspective of heaven. You know, we're watching Downton Abbey, Abbey, Downton Abbey, way too many episodes all at once, but anyway... Um, and they're, down, they're in the First World War and they're in the trenches. They could not see what was going on up above because they were in the trenches and battling it away, covered with mud and gunk and all every, every yucky thing that crawled around in there. And they couldn't see because they were in the trenches. And that's what we can be like when we take control. We're down in the trenches. We're working hard. We're doing everything that everybody says we should do. But we cannot see with the perspective and eyes of God. And that's why he says, let me lead because I can see all. I am everywhere and in everything and I can see. How silly if we're down in the trenches and we trust what we can just see down there when he can see everything. So he says, if you want to go where I want you to go, the places I want to take you, the life I want you to have, you've got to trust me to lead. You've got to trust me to lead. He calls us to follow. John 10 says he's a shepherd and we're his sheep because he has a perfect right to lead us wherever he pleases. Now we like to get the salvation bit in the sense of Jesus saved me from my sins, saved me from hell, saved me from all the things I've done wrong and that, that's the saviour part of a relationship with God. That's the nice bit. It's easy. Just give everything to him or your mess-ups, he's my saviour. The pit we struggle with in our daily walk is that he's also meant to be our Lord, that he is our saviour and our Lord. When he's your Lord, he gets to say. He gets to say. Now, I was reading Charles Spurgeon. He's a great preacher and theologian back in the 1800, and he said, Jesus calls us to follow. He is the shepherd because he has every perfect right to lead us wherever he pleases. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. Do what you will, Lord, yet will I trust in you. Do what you will, Lord, yet will I trust in you. We don't get to pick and choose. It's not a true, we're not being true to our perfection confession of that we are Christians if we do the picking and the choosing. If we pick and choose for ourselves, it's the greatest enemy to surrender and letting God lead. And it's actually a really great enemy to us being able to abide in him. We can't settle down and rest in God if we're always in charge. If we're always saying, I, don't, I want to be in control. There's no surrender in that. There's no surrender in that. When we surrender, it's not so God can beat up on us. It's because he's got blessing in mind for us and he has a way of doing things. He says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. He has a plan and a purpose, but he asks that he be our saviour and our Lord. We don't get to pick and choose. If we really belong to him, we say, lead me and do what seems good to you. Lead me and do what seems good to you. Now, if we've been hurt, and as Miriam shared this morning, you know, we think, 
oh, people have hurt me. And so we put it onto God that God has hurt us. We live in a fallen world where the enemy roams around trying to take people out. God is good and he loves us. And people can let us down, but God won't. It doesn't mean everything's going to be smooth sailing, but he will not let us down. He will be there. He will strengthen us. He will make a way through. When the enemy comes like a flood, God will rescue us. He'll put out the lifeboat. Lead me and do what seems good to you. That's what he wants our prayer to be. It's not our job to pick and choose what God does, how he leads us. If we trust him, we'll trust that he loves us. He loves us. And that's why we can let him lead because he loves us. It's not like an earthly love. It's not like love of maybe your dad or your mum or those around you. It's a love that went to the cross. It's a love that gave up everything, gave up heaven. It's a love that went to the cross and was whipped and beaten, that hung there with all the sins of the world on him. It's a love that was pierced for us, that went down into the very pit of hell for us and rescued us. That's why you can let him lead. Because Jesus loves each one of us that much. If you were the only person on this planet, he would have still gone to the cross for you. He would have still been beaten up and, and you know, mocked and abused. That's the love that you can trust. That's a love that you can trust to lead you in paths that are good and paths that will bring blessing. You know, he went to the cross so he could reinstate the blessing to us. That's a love you can trust. It's not a trust like the world gives. It's not even a trust like a man or a woman gives. It's a trust that he died for you. He loved you that much. And you can trust that sort of love that would die for you. If somebody gave up their life for you that was sitting next to you, wouldn't you trust that love? Wow, they love me that much. Well, that's what Jesus did for us, except he went through the cruelest death possible. And yet he rose again. So that's why we can trust him to lead. Because if we don't, we can actually miss what God is doing. God has blessing on his mind for us. He has such abundance of just beyond our wildest imagination. He says in Ephesians 3.20 that you know that he, will, that he will bless you, that he wants to give us far above and beyond anything that we can hope or dream or possibly imagine or ask for. Read it, Ephesians 3.20, that's what he says. God wants to do this for you. He says that he longs to lavish us, his children. That's how much he loves us. He is not a a stingy God. He's not a God that wants to withhold. It's not a God where you have to earn everything and toil for everything. He's not a God like that. He's a God of blessing and love and great compassion. He holds the world in his hands with the love of his and compassion. And that is the love. And the enemy comes to sell us a lie and religion has sold us a line that we've got to earn it, that we've got to toil, that if something bad happens where God's trying to teach us a lesson, all that rubbish I cannot choose a big enough word for what that is. That is just a stinking lie from the devil. It's stinking thinking. It needs to be pulled down out of us. It needs to be washed out of it. And it gets washed out when you read the word. 
That's what the word is. It washes us clean of all the rubbish that we pick up along the way that is not true about God. I get cross. I like, this is my God you're talking about. This is Jesus who went to the cross for us. And we think when something bad happens or we got something stinking sickness or somebody dies of some terrible disease, oh, that's God teaching a lesson. Oh, well, it's God's will. Rubbish. That is not what the word of God says. He said he died to deliver us from every evil. He died to deliver us from every sin and sickness and lack. And poverty imaginable. From west to the east to south to north, he said, I will rescue you. When something bad happens, run to him. Don't run away. Because he says, I've got blessing on my heart for you. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. He says he comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you abundant, overflowing, absolutely awesome life. But it's only if we let him lead. Let him lead because we'll miss it otherwise. You know, if Abraham had not stepped out into, into the wilderness, into unknown paths, he would have missed all that God wanted to give him, that he would be a possessor of heaven and earth, the Bible says. It says that Abraham was a possessor of heaven and earth. And we're his children, so we get in on that blessing you're a part of Abraham's family because it's a, it's a family of heaven. And he says you can possess both heaven and earth. Think about that for a minute. You think about what heaven is like. If you don't know, get into the word and find out. Because you, God wants us to possess heaven and earth, to have heaven in our lives, to walk with heaven, pulling it down. But we can miss it. You know why we can miss it? Because other people have missed it. The religious people of the day, the people that stood on the sidelines watching Jesus as he walked through their towns, as he preached in their synagogues, as he came into their homes, the ones that stood on the sidelines, the ones who were not hungry to know God, the ones that were so caught up, and I know this, I know everything, they missed it. And they're the ones that crucified him. They missed it. They missed what God was doing because their hearts were hard. They didn't even see the Messiah, the one they'd been waiting for, for generations right smack in front of them. He didn't fit into what they understood or wanted God to do. They criticised, they mocked, they plotted against and hardened their hearts towards him. They thought they knew it all and they didn't need to change or to grow. They missed what God was doing right in front of them, even when Jesus was working miracles, healing broken bodies and hearts, and setting people free. They missed it. And that's a warning to us. If we want to allow God to lead, and even if that means that he takes us to places that we are not in control of, unknown places, on the unknown path, if we will not allow him to lead, there's a warning in the scripture that we can miss it. The Israelites missed it, wandering around the desert for 40 years because they would not take the steps of faith to take the promised land. They wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb because they were like, this is a good land, let's go. And their whole generation, everybody 20 years and older died because they missed what God was doing and they hardened their hearts and they were stubborn. And I feel today to warn us not to be stubborn not to think I know it all, not to harden our hearts. If we know that we're struggling, if we know that we need to just get rid of some stuff, if we know that we, we criticise and we judge others, 
We think we know it all and we're full of pride. I've seen it all before attitude. If we refuse to allow change or growth and consistently hold the controls, we too can run the risk of missing God right in front of us. God says, soften your heart. Be hungry for me because I am in your midst and I am doing something. And it means, yes, that you might have to go on unknown paths. Yes, it means you've got to let go of some stuff. You know, Philip and I, the last couple of months, you know, God is doing something in his people. And I talk to people different places in the world and it's that stuff that you thought you'd dealt with years ago. A little bit might be just sitting there or, st- or attitudes that you've just, Lord's allowed you to go along with. Now he's putting his finger on them and saying, deal with this. Deal with this. Make, your, make sure that you're open and letting me lead in everything. Now I know that when God does that, something is coming. I know that he wants to have us emptied so he might fill us up. The religious leaders, they should have known and recognised what was right in front of them and got their lives right. But they were so worried about what looked on the outside with their lovely robes and their little bits and pieces they had. They were so puffed up in their pride and they criticised and judged those that they didn't think were as spiritual enough as them or as wealthy as them, not as good as them, that they did not cleanse themselves. Jesus says they're whitewashed tombs, all nice on the outside and wicked and full of filth on the inside. God doesn't condemn us, but he does convict us. He says, deal with this. And there's a reason for that, because then he can lead us into the unknown path where it's a wild goose chase, but it's a great chase, because that's where God is. That's where God is. You get to the point in your life and you go, I've done enough. I've changed enough. I've grown enough. God says, no. You will miss out. You will miss out. All through scripture you see where people missed out. All through church history where God has broken out and signs and wonders and miracles and great revivals, there's people that missed out. There's people that missed out. The Holy Spirit moves and people miss out because their hearts are hard or they go, oh well. No, I actually don't want to look like that person. I don't want to do that. What if I get embarrassed? God doesn't take kindly to it. If we're so puffed up in our self-importance and I've seen that, I've done that, I don't want to look like that. If you read the Bible, David, he danced before the Lord. He stripped down to his undergarments, the king of Jerusalem, stripped down to his undergarments and he danced before the Lord. And his wife up in, the t- up in her house looked down and mocked and laughed at him. And it caused her to become barren. If you don't want to have your life barren, don't mock what God is doing. Say, God, I want to know you. David didn't care. He danced before God. His heart was open. His heart was soft. He messed up. You read his story. He messed up. But God saw his heart that he had a heart after him. And he just, he just kept on holding on to him. We can miss it if we let ourselves have the attitude of, I don't want to change anymore. Or I don't want to look like that person. What if you make me look like that person? You know, they jump around or they yahoo. And that's not me. You'll miss it. 
if you put boundaries on what you allow God to do. I'm not saying that you have to do that. I'm saying be open to whatever God has. You know, the religious leaders, they had a thought, you weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. And Jesus would come in and the man with his shriveled up hand was standing in the synagogue. And Jesus said to him, stretch out your hand. And the man did and his hand was healed like that. Instead of them rejoicing, they picked at him. They had a go at Jesus and said, you worked. Crazy. And he said to him, would, if you had a, an ox or a donkey that was fallen down in a ditch, would you not go down and pick it up? That's all I've done. But sometimes when we get puffed up or we harden our hearts, you know, you can't pick where you harden your heart. If you harden your heart towards others or you harden to, your heart towards God or you think that you're better than others or you, you step into criticism and judgment, judging others, that's going to harden your heart. But it doesn't just harden your heart towards those people or those things. It hardens your heart towards God. And you will miss it. We will miss it if we do not let go of those things and ask God to just wash us clean and say, God, you lead. You lead. I will go wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. I will talk to. I will do whatever. I will kneel. I will lie. I will raise my hands. I will be open to speaking in tongues. I want your Holy Spirit. I want you. I want you. I want you more than anything or anyone. I want you. He'll put his finger on what you're holding back. I bet you he's doing it right now. What are you holding back? What have you hardened your heart towards? Because God says, until you're up in heaven in glory, you've run your race down here, you have still room to grow. And God still has stuff for each one of us. He has blessing on his mind. But if we will not allow him to lead and we harden our hearts and saying, I've gone enough, we will miss what God is doing and what he wants to do in each one of us. He is to be our saviour and our Lord. That means we surrender. We love that word, don't we? You know, surrender, submit, give it all. Ouch, ouch, ouch. But it's because he loves us and he wants us to enter a place of rest and abiding in him. And there's awesome promises. You read John chapter 15. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. That's pretty amazing. That comes with letting him lead and surrender because abide just means to settle down on him. Just let him, he's in us and we're in him and we abide in him. And that's where the rest comes from. We don't have to toil. We don't have to make things happen. He'll lead you what job to go to. He'll lead you where to live. He'll lead you to right partner. He'll lead you to blessing. But too often, we will not let him have the driver's seat. And so we miss what he is doing right in front of us. So I want us today to check regularly our hearts and ask ourselves daily, where am I doubting or withholding parts of myself from Jesus? Am I allowing him to lead? Have I hardened my heart in any area? Have I hardened my heart towards people? I know people screw up. 
I know that they hurt us. I know that they disappoint us and we're scared or we're irritated or they just push our buttons. I know. All you've got to do is say, Lord, you know I struggle with these things. Please lead me. And he will. He won't push you into things you can't handle. He won't ask you to do anything that is too much for you. He wants us to grow, though, and he wants us to be free. So all you've got to do is say, God, I have weaknesses. You know that. Lead me, and he'll lead you through. So do a regular heart check. Do a regular heart check. Am I hardening my heart? Am I judging or being critical of others or what you are doing, God? Am I hungry and open for all you have for me? Remembering that when you abide in him, there's great peace. If you're struggling and stressing and striving all the time, God says, just relax. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. He's got all we need. And I know that we live in a world that says all the stuff it says, and I get caught up in it. And then God goes, excuse me, hello, what are you doing? Back in toil, back in stressing and striving and trying to control everyone and everything. Just hands off. I know. If, God, if you know the devil can't get us sinning, he'll try to get us busy. Remember that when we abide in him and let him lead, there's great peace, there's great blessing, and we can trust him. Remember what he has done. That's why when Ivan shared, he says, remember his death. Remember his death and what he did for us. Remember his death because it will check your heart and your mind and you'll go, you know what, I can trust him because he did that for me. Know that all things work together for good. We can surrender and let Jesus lead because wherever he may lead, even if we don't fully know where we're going, we do know one thing. We know who we go with. We may not know the road, but we do know the guide. We may feel that the journey is long, but we can be sure that he is there with us to carry us through. No matter what is up ahead, he is with us. We can follow with simplicity and faith because we may be quite sure that all will end well. Romans 8.28 says that. He says that he works things out for our good. Just trust him. Remember his death and what he went through. And let's just let him lead so we don't miss it. I don't want any of us to miss it. I want us to live the lives that God has for each one of us. And I want us to all experience to be possessors of both heaven and earth. There's so much more. I know nothing. I know nothing, but he knows everything. That's who he wants us to be like. I know nothing, God, but you know everything. You take charge. It's when we get puffed up and think we know stuff that we have trouble with the controls. As Justin says, I, I go down under the floor. You know, I'm just like, I know nothing, God. It's a good way to be because when we humble ourselves, he lifts us up. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just um, want to thank you for your 
great, great love for us, that you would die for us, Jesus. Forgive us where we try to take control, where we think we know everything and we know how to do stuff. Lord, we humble ourselves. We go lower that you might be higher. Your word says, Lord, that we're to be like little children. To just happily wander along with you. Trusting you to lead us. Let us be like that. Let us have hearts like little children that just look up at you and go, where are we going today? Where are we going today? What are we doing today? And just let you guide us. Because we know that everything is going to be all right. Help us, Lord. Heal us from where we've been hurt and disappointed. Heal us where we hold on because we're afraid and we, we have to have everything lined up. But, Lord, there's no rest in that. So help us, Lord, to let go and let you. That we would not miss anything that you are doing. Forgive us where we've judged others or mocked them even and criticised that we would not have a heart like that, but we would be like David that did not care. Let these words, Lord, that you've shared today sink into our hearts and minds and change us. Little bit by little bit, Lord. Bless each person here. I bless them with strength, with a hunger after you. I bless them with provision. I bless them with everything they need, physically, emotionally, mentally and spiritually, Lord, that you would be their need met. Because you, Lord, say that you are, we are complete in you. Lord, I pray peace over every household, healing out of our bodies and our hearts, and rest and peace, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Have an awesome rest of your week. Let him be in the driver's seat.